We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9. Of course, on your computer, www.citr.ca. And uh, my name is Gavin Walker. And we're here until well after midnight with some of the very best in jazz music. And usually, um, first up is our one of the mo- more important parts of our program, which is the pre-planned jazz feature. And, of course, that's going to be happening in a few moments. But I'd like to pay tribute. We all know, of course, about the uh, demise of uh, John McCain. And, of course, um, some people find that controversial. Some people don't. Um, everybody has their different views on uh, this particular gentleman, but his death, of course, um, because of his uh, importance, um, has just about overshadowed uh, everything. And there was a very important death from the arts. And I'm talking about Neil Simon. Neil Simon, of course, um, was one of America's greatest, funniest, and most entertaining um, playwrights. Uh, he, he was um, a superb human being and made a lot of us laugh, look at ourselves, and uh, just enjoy all the better qualities of life. And uh, he was, lived a good long life. He was 91, and uh, Neil Simon has passed away. He was responsible for some incredible plays, Barefoot in the Park. But I think one of the most famous um, and most public uh, of his works was The Odd Couple, which was made into a movie. Uh, It was a great um, long-running TV show as well. And so as a small tribute to Neil Simon, I'd like to play you a piece of jazz music that features the theme from The Odd Couple. And I know you'll recognize it. It was written by Neil Hefty. And it's played here by the late, great Don Patterson on the Hammond organ. Eddie Daniels plays the tenor saxophone. Ted Dunbar on guitar. And Freddie Waits on drums. And here is the theme from The Odd Couple, our small dedication to the memory of the great Neil Simon. Thank you. 
Hammond organist Don Patterson, and our small tribute to the great Neil Simon. Of course, that was the theme from The Odd Couple. That was written by Neil Hefty and played by Don Patterson on Hammond organ. Eddie Daniels, I mistakenly said, tenor saxophone. He plays the soprano on this particular piece. Ted Dunbar on guitar and Freddie Waits on drums. And it's from an album by Don Patterson called The Genius of the B-3. Now's the time to get into our jazz feature. And tonight is um, a continuation, actually a conclusion, of our August jazz features. I've been um, doing and spotlighting rare albums and uh, sometimes obscure artists. In this case... There's not too many people that are obscure on this particular CD album, but the album itself is a little bit elusive. It came out on Muse Records, 
And it's by bassist Richard Davis, who was one of the premier bassists in jazz. Richard Davis was born in Chicago 88 years ago, and he's still very active today. He teaches um, at, uh, out in Wisconsin, uh, where he moved in 1977. He's a professor out there, um, music. He still plays the odd gig. And um, Richard was born in Chicago on April 15, 1930. And he graduated from the fabled music school in Chicago, Disable High School. They had one of the best music programs. And it was mostly um, uh, African-American musicians uh, because the school was located in the inner city of Chicago on the south side. And uh, he studied under the legendary Captain Walter Diet who taught um, basics, um, if whatever instrument you played, you had to get a good sound from that instrument, you had to, uh, and you had to read. Um, you had to develop reading skills and, and instant uh, interpretation of a piece of sheet music, that kind of thing. And, and of course, the school graduated some great jazz musicians like Johnny Griffin, the, um, the people that uh, do our theme music, uh, Gene Ammons and Benny Green, the trombone player, the great Eddie Harris, Vaughn Freeman, Julian Priester, many more, and of course, and Richard Davis. Richard, um, of course, played in um, symphony orchestras. As a matter of fact, he was singled out by none other than Igor Stravinsky when uh, he was doing um, a bit of time with the New York Philharmonic. And Stravinsky uh, was pretty well on his last uh, go-around, and he was conducting uh, a few symphony orchestras throughout the world. And he singled out Richard Davis um, from all the, the great um, bass violinists that are in the symphony and said, you have this incredible sound and concept, and I, I think you're one of the best bass players I have uh, ever heard. So that's quite a compliment coming from Igor Stravinsky, of all people, for Richard Davis. Anyway, Davis went on to play with uh, so many, uh, appeared on so many important recordings, like Eric Dolphy's great album, Out to Lunch, uh, which was Eric's last album he, that he made domestically before he went to Europe and then met his demise. Um, Booker Irvin, the great saxophonist, did a whole series of albums. Who was the bass player? Richard Davis. Andrew Hill, composer, pianist, uh, also spent some time in Chicago, recorded a whole slew of albums for Blue Note Records. First choice in bass players was usually, when available, Richard Davis. Richard Davis was a charter member of the Thad Jones Mel Lewis Orchestra, and he played in that big band for years. And uh, he also worked with Miles Davis. And I do remember a concert here in Vancouver when the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society brought the great Detroit pianist, Sir Elf, Roland Hanna, to the Colch with bassist Richard Davis. And that remains in my mind as one of the finest concerts that I had ever seen in um, a life of seeing a lot of concerts. That was an incredible uh, concert, and of course in the uh, acoustically friendly uh, Vancouver East Cultural Center, it was perfect. 
Anyway, our jazz feature this evening is one of the few albums that Richard Davis did. He didn't do too many. And this one is particularly special because it's kind of edgy. It's, um, it's not your kind of uh, straight-ahead, um, finger-snapping, uh, bebopping <laughs> jazz recording. It gets, uh, it gets out there. But it's also accessible in its own way. It just requires uh, maybe a little more concentrated listening. It was done live um, at a club in New York City called Jazz City. And Richard put together a band which includes a fellow Chicagoan and DuSable graduate, Clifford Jordan, one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone, totally distinctive. Um, and on trumpet, a very uh, declarative dramatic trumpet player by the name of Marvin Hannibal Peterson. And, of course, he wasn't called Hannibal uh, for no reason. Um, he, he really could make that trumpet uh, uh, really be a trumpet, very declarative performer. And on piano, someone who has been uh, rather overlooked, a very interesting piano player, um, a little bit on the eccentric side, uh, uh, as far as I know, and um, but he contributes uh, greatly to the sound of this quintet. Pianist Joe Bonner, and on drums, one of the finest drummers. And he unfortunately died young, but his uh, his son has sort of taken over his style. But this is the dad. This is Freddie Waits on drums. His son Nashit is a, a wonderful drummer and sounds just like his dad when he plays. Yeah. But this is his dad, Freddie Waits, on drums, and of course, on bass, none other than Richard Davis. Now, there's only two tunes here. First tune is they explore uh, one of Thelonious Monk's earliest and most interesting compositions, a piece of music called Epistrophe. And uh, they take that tune all kinds of interesting places. The second piece of music was written by Charlie Parker, and it's a 12-bar blues, and they take it in many directions as well. And, of course, it's one of Charlie Parker's most famous blues lines. It's called Now's the Time. So the only two tunes here, and they're full-length nightclub um, concert performances. Epistrophe first, followed by Now's the Time. So once again, the personnel, Clifford Jordan on tenor saxophone, Marvin Hannibal Peterson on trumpet, Joe Bonner on piano, Freddie Waits on drums, and of course leading the hall ensemble is the virtuoso bassist and our jazz feature artist this evening, Richard Davis. Here we go. Thank you. 
our jazz feature this evening. The very adventurous music of bassist Richard Davis and a hand-picked band of um, like thinkers recorded at uh, Jazz City in, uh, in New York, a small club, on September 7th, 1972. And we heard the incredible Clifford Jordan on tenor saxophone, Marvin Hannibal Peterson on trumpet, Joe Bonner on piano, Freddie Waits on drums, and of course, Richard Davis on bass. And all of this uh, album was issued on the Muse label, and it's um, our conclusion of uh, jazz features this month of uh, rather rare albums, and this is one of them. Because Richard Davis, even though he recorded with so many people, um, Miles Davis, the Thad Jones, Mel Lewis big band, Eric Dolphy, Andrew Hill, uh, so many people, Richard Davis uh, did few albums under his own name, and this is one of them. And we only heard two tunes. They were long, lengthy nightclub performances, full-length, unedited performances, and uh we opened with a Thelonious Monk composition, one of his early compositions, called Epistrophe. And Monk, uh, for years, used that as his um, theme song. But Mr. Davis and company took Epistrophe to places where I don't think Thelonious Monk would have uh, even taken it, and he was pretty adventurous, too. Anyway, we heard this uh, incredible version of Epistrophe, and we followed that with another adventurous version of a Charlie Parker tune, one of his most famous fall bar blues tunes called Now's the Time. Epistrophe and Now's the Time, Richard Davis. Clifford Jordan, Marvin Hannibal Peterson, Joe Bonner, and Freddie Waits. So we hope you enjoyed tonight's jazz feature, and um, we shall return with some music from the Newport Jazz Festival. Well, I'll tell you who it is after we hear these important messages. I'd just like to tell you that my name's Gavin Walker, and this is The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we'll be back after these important messages. The Black, Indigenous, and People of Color Welcome Dinner at UBC is on August 29th. Come to the Marine Drive Residence Ballroom at 5.30 p.m. to create dialogue, participate in activities, get resources, and make new friends over a slice of pizza or three. Presented by the Equity and Inclusion Office in partnership with Jumpstart. CITR Radio 101.9 FM and Discorder Magazine present The Victory Square Block Party 2018. We're back with our annual free all-day party to bring summer to a close. Happening on Sunday, September 2nd from 1 to 9 p.m. in Victory Square Park at the corner of Camby and Hastings. With performances by La Casquivana, Princess Apparently, Sorry Edith, 
future star, Mama Rude Gal, Club Sofa, Yep, and Devours. Plus, an ice cream truck on site and a raffle for kick butt local prizes. nice that uh, we got rid of all the smoke once again. Uh, the air is uh, now breathable, and uh, we had a beautiful day today with uh, clear skies, and tonight is going to go down to about 12. Tomorrow is going to be mainly sunny, another really nice day with a low of 12 and highs between 22 and 25, and then a little bit of a change for Wednesday, cloudy with a 40% chance of uh, a shower, uh, probably not too much, but 40%, a risk, uh, with a low of 14 and a high of 18. Then Thursday is cloudy with a 30% chance of a shower, with a low of 13 and a high of 19. Friday is similar, with another 30% chance of a shower, low of 13, high of 20. And then Saturday and Sunday, the weekend, uh, a mix of sun and cloud for Saturday, low of 13, high of 20. And Sunday is a mix of sun and cloud with, again, a 40% chance of a shower with a low of 12 and a high of 20. It's funny, um, as we got some rain over the weekend, not very much, but we did get some. And a lot of Vancouver people, I can't imagine people saying, oh, the rain, I love it. <laughs> it just seemed very strange for Vancouverites to actually, um, yeah, acknowledge the rain with big smiles and all that kind of stuff. Very rare, because we're going to get lots more of it. But, uh, well, there still is a very emergency situation throughout the province, and we could really use some uh, heavy rain and no wind as well. So uh, keep our fingers crossed for that. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. We're going to take you back to the uh, Newport Jazz Festival. Um, July 5th, 1957. That's a few years ago. But interestingly enough, this band never made it. Uh, this was Cannonball Adderley's first quintet. And uh, he formed it with his brother. They committed themselves to music. They, um, um, they both had emigrated uh, to New York on a permanent basis. Cannonball uh, fulfilled his teaching obligations in Florida, and so did Nat. And they moved uh, to New York City to um, 
do their thing. They had already been there and recorded, so the path was open. And they put together this marvelous band um, with Junior Mance on piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. But somehow this band um, never made it. It wasn't the time. And uh, as good as they were, and they had a recording contract as well for Mercury Records, but the, for some reason the records were not that well distributed at the time. And I know, because I, I talked to Cannonball about this, and he said during this period, he said, we were trying to keep, um, he said, my brother and I were trying to keep the band together. And he said, I took a side job of selling cars. And he said, I was damn good at it too. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. But it, uh, it helped finance the band. And I can imagine, because knowing Cannonball Adderley, I can imagine that he was one hell of a car salesman. And um, uh, he could, <laughs> could have done very well. Well, he was a, a, a brilliant man, uh, was Julian Adderley. And he, he could have uh, done anything with his life. But he became one of the foremost, and was uh, by this time, uh, one of the foremost voices of the alto saxophone. Brother Nat on cornet, uh, Junior Mance on piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. Now, what happened was this unfortunate um, uh, under circumstances as Cannonball was trying to struggle to keep the band together. They gave up, uh, and Cannonball uh, took Miles Davis's offer to join his band, and Nat Adderley... Um, went with, first of all, with Woody Herman's band and then uh, joined J.J. Johnson's, uh, trombonist J.J. Johnson's band. But then in 1959, they did get back together and formed the um, Cannonball Adderley Quintet, which persisted right up to the end of uh, uh, Cannonball's career because uh, somehow 1959 was the time. Uh, he um, Cannonball left Miles. Um, Nat Adderley wrapped up his commitments, and they formed a band. The only holdover from this band was bassist Sam Jones. Anyway, this is the band that never made it, but they sure sound good on here, I'll tell you. Uh, we opened with uh, actually a J.J. Johnson tune. It's a fast blues called We Dot, and then we're going to hear a George Gershwin tune called A Foggy Day in London Town. And um, we're going to end the set with a um, nice little tune that Nat Adderley wrote uh, entitled Sermonette. And that was uh, kind of a minor hit for the band. So this was the first edition and the failed edition, sad to say, of the Cannonball Adderley Quintet. From Newport, Rhode Island, the Newport Jazz Festival. Here they are.
Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. That, of course, was the blues, which we like to play very much. And you'll find it obvious in our performance here this afternoon, because we think the blues sort of reflects just what jazz should be made of. Now, we are indebted to Clifford Brown for that arrangement of an old standard by Leo Parker and J.J. Johnson. It's called We Dot. Now we're going to do a more familiar thing, this one by the great George Gershwin, and I'm sure that everybody knows A Foggy Day. Oh yeah, this is sort of plagiarized too. We heard Matt Matthews do something similar to this, so I'm sure he'll recognize it anyhow.
Much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. A foggy day. We are very fond of a young man that plays piano, a young man who plays piano. I like to keep correct. See, my father's an English teacher and he's sitting in the audience and I want to make sure that I'm accepted home. <laughs> this young man, however, is a pretty fabulous soul brother. He is generally considered a rhythm and blues performer, or rock and roll, take your choice. But we know him as Mr. Too Much in regard to soul. His name is Ray Charles. We like the way he plays, and we like the way he feels, and we like the way that we feel when he plays. So we were inspired by him to write a piece that we call Sermonette. Spotlights my brother Nat on cornet. Sermonette.
Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for Sermonette and for my brother Nat, for Sam Jones, who has some interesting moments there, and for our pianist, who certainly has been inspired by Brother Ray Charles. <laughs> now we're, we're very proud to have uh, in our group a very talented young bassist, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Jones, who is a... who writes fairly well, considering the fact that he's a bass player. You know, bass players are kind of timid when it comes to the pen. But I think you'll like this composition. It features him, first of all, you see, and, and, he, and he can play. It's, well, actually, when we got ready to record this thing, he hadn't thought up a name. He thought of all kinds of things. In fact, we decided once to name it after Newport, but everybody else had named something after Newport, so we just called this one Sam's Tune.
Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for Sam Jones. That's our basis, Sam Jones. Cannonball Adderley, Julian Adderley and his quintet. And as I mentioned before, he, that was the failed quintet. Um, he tried very, very hard to keep that group uh, together and intact, but uh, it didn't happen for a variety of reasons. And uh, then Cannonball went on to uh, in, um, join Miles Davis, and uh, Brother Nat went to uh, Woody Herman's band. And uh, then they reformed the quintet a couple of years after this. But uh, this was the first edition of their working band, and they sure sounded good at the Newport Jazz Festival, July 5th, 1957. And the very personal and personable Cannonball Adderley introducing the tunes. Now, he's going to be, um, next month, we're going to do our traditional uh, jazz features, where Cannonball Adderley will be narrating um, a short and simple history of jazz. And we'll be doing that uh, next month on uh, one of the jazz features after Labor Day. Uh, not on Labor Day. We'll be here on Labor Day, of course, but uh, um, this will be after Labor Day. All right. We heard four tunes um, with this band. Of course, with Julian Adderley on alto saxophone, Cannonball, Brother Nat on cornet, Junior Mance on piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. And the first tune was an up-tempo tune by J.J. Johnson called We Dot. And the second tune was a George Gershwin tune called A Foggy Day. And the third tune was Nat Adderley's dedication to the great Ray Charles, and written uh, in a mood that Ray would uh, relate to. The tune was called Sermonette. And then we heard Sam Jones's great tune called Sam's Tune that featured, uh, well, Sam on bass. Yeah. Cannonball Adderley at the Newport Jazz Festival. We shall return after these important messages. Just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and when we come back after these announcements, we'll be doing a tribute to the second messiah of jazz. The first one, of course, is Louis Armstrong, but I consider Lester Willis Young, the Prez, to be the second messiah of jazz, and I'll explain that, and um, we'll hear some of his music and uh, a little bit of um, history of Lester Young, right after these messages. CITR and Discorder are hosting Shindig, our annual Battle of the Bands, and submissions are open until September 8th. Do you think you have what it takes? Can your band jam harder than them all? Send a demo of three original songs to shindig.submissions at gmail.com with your email and phone number to enter. Prizes for the winning band include studio time, mastering tracks, a feature in Discorder, and of course, straight up glory. So be sure to send in your demo before September 8th. 
Good luck. Do you want to know more about human rights abuses, global issues, and international politics? Are you interested in writing to foreign and local governments in response to global crises? Are you ready to give peace a chance? If your answer is yes, then Amnesty International UBC may be the club for you. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash AIUBC or send us an email at amnestyubc at gmail.com. Listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenim speaking Musqueam people. I'd just like to mention a couple of uh, websites before we get into uh, the music and the life of Lester Willis Young. Uh, two websites are really important, and uh, I mention them every week, and you should uh, check them out on your computer. The first one is VancouverJazz.com, which uh, is, is very comprehensive. There's lots of news on that, lots of features, and uh, you can browse around and Spent a little time on that particular website, and it's put together by my old friend Brian Nation. That's VancouverJazz.com. The other website is a very important one, and that's the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. And that's, of course, the people that bring you the jazz festival every year. And uh, there's all kinds of uh, interesting links on that uh, website, which is CoastalJazz.ca. And, of course, the schedule for Frankie's Jazz Club right down on Beattie Street, uh, one of Vancouver's leading jazz clubs. A friend of mine, um, I was told, uh, was here from uh, Toronto uh, a couple of nights ago, and he said, wow, he was so impressed with Frankie's and, and, and uh, being there. And he said, I wish we had a club like that in Toronto. And, of course, um, he, he is a, an active musician in, in Toronto, and he said there's not much happening there. Uh, <laughs> so um, he was very impressed by, by the club um, here in Vancouver, which is unusual for someone from Toronto being impressed with Vancouver. Usually it's the other way around. That's uh, things, things do change sometimes. Um, I'd also like to mention um, not only Frankie's, um, which is actually programmed by the redoubtable Corey Weeds, who often plays there as well. And, of course, Corey is a, a fine, fine saxophonist and, uh, and, and uh, a real mover and shaker on Vancouver's jazz scene. He does so many things, balances so many um, different uh, jobs and um, does so much and has an incredible um, energy and positive energy uh, about the music scene and everything else. And he programs uh, Frankie's Jazz Club. But another fine place to go hear jazz, and that's Pat's Pub. Every Saturday afternoon, some of our finest musicians play at Pat's Pub, which, of course, is the old Patricia Hotel uh, located in uh, Vancouver's uh, downtown east side. Uh, it's a great place once you're inside. It's, it's wonderful. And uh, the music is happening every Saturday afternoon from 3 until 7. And 
there is no cover charge. Zip. And you, you can uh, sip on a beer or whatever else uh, suits your fancy. And uh, here's some really, really fine music. That's Pat's Pub every Saturday afternoon. Lester Willis Young. Lester Young was born in Woodville, Mississippi, August 27th, today, 2009. And sad to say, Lester Young passed away March the 15th, 1959. He was only 49, but he really, really changed the way people listen to the saxophone. And he was just, just an absolutely magical person. Sonny Rollins talks about Lester Young as being, he felt that Lester came from a, a beautiful planet somewhere out there in the universe and spent a little time on Earth and then went back again and um, left a legacy of incredible music. Lester Young played the saxophone, the tenor saxophone, very differently from anyone else. And he really rose to prominence in the, uh, in the 1930s and worked with various bands, and he got kicked out of various bands as well because um, they didn't like the way he played. Uh, he didn't sound like the way the tenor saxophone should sound. He had a different approach, a more cooler approach, a smoother sound. He didn't sound um, full-bodied and, and, and uh, like Coleman Hawkins. Coleman had set the standard for tenor saxophone work, but Lester Young did something different. He heard something different, and, and, did, and he found his band when Count Basie hired him. And, of course, he was with the Basie Band, and he always maintained, um, even though he left the Basie Band um, in 1941, he always maintained uh, a tie with the band. And uh, he often rejoined the band as a guest or um, even as a permanent member over the years. Lester Young, his style, even though it was formed in the 1930s, really didn't influence that generation of saxophone players from his generation, but it did influence the next generation of jazz saxophone players. Stan Getz, Zoot Sims, uh, Dexter Gordon, Gene Ammons, Sonny Rollins, John Coltrane were all influenced by Lester Young and, and uh, worshipped his recordings, and of course, um, we're going to hear them now. I'm going to play you an excerpt from Benny Goodman's very famous Carnegie Hall concert, which took place January 16, 1938, and of course, it was a big, big event for jazz music, because it was real jazz that was being heard at Carnegie Hall for the first time, and not, nothing watered down. Benny, of course, had planned the concert for his own band and, um, and his small groups, but he also decided that a jam session, just the way it would be played in an after-hours club, would be appropriate for the folks at Carnegie Hall to hear. So, interestingly enough, um, 
a group of musicians, including some guests uh, from the Basie Band, from the Ellington Orchestra, and from Goodman's own band, uh, formed an ad hoc group and performed um, this uh, uh, performance of Honeysuckle Rose, which was a, a great jam tune that every musician knew in those days. So I'm, what I'm going to do is give you an abbreviated version of the jam session, because it did go on for a long time, because I want you to hear um, it features Lester Young. So we hear the opening strains, and it's Lester's saxophone who, who's kind of setting the pace, and then he actually takes the first solo uh, on the jam session, and it's an incredible saxophone solo. And when I first heard it, I was, I was a little kid, and it changed my life forever because I realized that I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to do that. And that's how the impression that it made on me. So we're going to hear that. And as I said, it's an edited version of the jam session. But we hear how Lester Young um, not only soloed, but kind of controlled um, with just by his spontaneity and riffs um, the way the jam session sounded. Uh, the other people involved, um, Harry James Buck Clayton on trumpets, uh, Johnny Hodges on alto saxophone, uh, Harry Carney on baritone saxophone, both from the Ellington Orchestra, Count Basie on piano uh, himself, Walter Page on bass, Freddie Green on guitar, and the great Benny Goodman drummer, Gene Krupa, keeps everything happening. Vernon Brown is in, is in there somewhere on trombone, and you hear a few clarinet strains, and that's Mr. Goodman himself. Anyway, here's a shortened version, which essentially features Lester Young's solo on Honeysuckle Rose. I hope you enjoy it.
Carnegie Hall, January 16th, 1938. And, of course, um, an edited version of the, the uh, lengthy jam session that uh, took place, all led by Benny Goodman and all kinds of other people. But I wanted to feature Lester Young's saxophone solo on that one. And, of course, how he kind of controlled the ensembles as well with his... Um, just his his presence and his riffs and all that kind of stuff. So that was the solo that uh, made me want to become a jazz musician. I just uh, I remember hearing that as a kid and just uh, that was it. Really, <laughs> it changed my life. Music can do that sometimes and can really change people's lives. Now we're going to take you to a legendary session which took place in 1945. Uh, a few years after 1938. This is Lester Young with Nat King Cole at the piano and Buddy Rich on drums. Just the three of them, no bass, and uh, some beautiful stuff here recorded um, in Los Angeles um, in 1945 and uh, some incredible piano playing by, uh, by Nat King Cole. So we're going to hear a few tunes. The first one is a blues called Back to the Land, which was created by Lester Young. Then we're going to hear him do a ballad called um, I Cover the Waterfront. And then uh, a great, more up-tempo tune called I Found a New Baby. And um, we'll end that particular set with another um, up-tempo tune called I Want to Be Happy. So here then... Lester Young on tenor saxophone, Nat King Cole at the piano, and Buddy Rich on drums, a trio of geniuses. Thank you. 
Thank you. 
Three absolute geniuses. Lester Young, the president, the real president, really, <laughs> on tenor saxophone. Nat King Cole on piano. Most people think of him as uh, uh, a singer of ballads and so on, but he is one of the uh, finest piano players on the scene. And uh, his work is just incredible on, uh, on this recording. And, of course, on drums, the great Buddy Rich. So we heard a bunch of tunes uh, from this, uh, I said 1945. Actually, it was recorded in early 1946 in Los Angeles. So we heard a Lester Young uh, blues to open called Back to the Land, and then um, a standard tune, a favorite of Lester's, as a matter of fact, by uh, Johnny Green called I Cover the Waterfront. And then we heard an up-tempo thing, which was a favorite of... uh, uh, all kinds of uh, uh, swing players in the 30s, a tune called I Found a New Baby, and then a Vincent Eumann's tune ending the set, another up-tempo thing called I Want to Be Happy. We're going to continue with our tribute to Lester Willis Young, the second messiah of jazz, and take you to a session that took place in New York City in 1952, Um, with Lester, uh, of course, on tenor saxophone, and Oscar Peterson on piano, Barney Kessel on guitar, Ray Brown on bass, and J.C. Hurd on drums. This was recorded in the latter part of 1952 in New York. We're going to hear a few tunes from here. We're going to open with um, one, uh, actually was the first tune recorded on, on the session, 
uh, and it's called simply the Ad Lib Blues, and uh, created by Lester Young and Oscar Peterson. And the second tune is um, a favorite of Lester's, and uh, this was written by Vincent Humans, and of course the tune is called T for Two. Actually, we're we're going to do that last. Uh, we're going to go to a, a beautiful ballad, which is normally played. Um, it became a jam session favorite, and it was always played um, up tempo um, because of the 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 way the tune is built, and uh, yeah, it's good to solo on all that kind of stuff. But Lester treats it the way it was written. It was written by Harry Warren and Mac Gordon, a couple of great songwriting guys, and the tune is called "There There Will Never Be Another You." But it was really a lament. Um, it's really meant to play as a ballad. And Lester does a gorgeous job on, on, on that tune, which is most often heard as a, as a fast tune. And Lester treats it the way it was written, as a ballad. So that's tune number two, There Will Never Be Another You. And then we'll follow that with, uh, as I mentioned, um, an up-tempo version of T for Two. So this is some great Lester Young on here. This is one of, uh, this is sort of considered his later period, but uh, he still sounded absolutely marvelous on these sessions. So we begin with the ad-lib blues. Thank you. 
President Lester Young with the Oscar Peterson Quartet or Trio. And uh, we heard, of course, Lester Young on tenor saxophone, Oscar Peterson at the piano, Barney Kessel on guitar, Ray Brown on bass, and J.C. Hurd on drums from this uh, November 1952 session in New York City. We opened with uh, the Ad Lib Blues. And then we featured a tune which is usually played uh, fast, but it was played in its original uh, intent as a beautiful ballad. And uh, that was There Will Never Be Another You. And finally, we went back to uh, a rousing tempo version of a favorite of Lester's, T for Two by Vincent Humans. We haven't quite finished with Lester Young. We're going to go to 1957, very late in his career. Lester died, as I mentioned before, in 1959. He's basically, um, he was suffering from malnutrition, alcoholism, and general bad health. And um, yet, when he reunited with the Basie Band, for at the Newport Jazz Festival, uh, even though his health was not good, he rallied, and uh, he sounds wonderful. He sounds rejuvenated um, with the Count Basie Orchestra. So we're going to hear two tunes where he's featured um, with the band, accompanied by the band, and uh, then uh, we're going to go to um, the final tune of the festival. Uh, it's Basie's uh, famous tune, The One O'Clock Jump, and it features uh, Lester Young and some other guests, including uh, the great uh, sax- the other great saxophonist, uh, Illinois Jaquette, and uh, Roy Eldridge, Little Jazz on, on trumpet, and um, a rousing version of The One O'Clock Jump. But the first tunes, two tunes we're going to hear feature uh, Lester Young on tenor saxophone. Uh, I'm not going to run into all the personnel in the Basie band, but uh, of course Basie is playing piano, Freddie Green on guitar, Eddie Jones on bass, and Papa Joe Jones on drums, and then of course the full Basie orchestra. So the first tune is a standard tune. It's a favorite of, of Lester's, and it's uh, Polka Dots and Moonbeams. Very pretty ballad. Uh, written by Jimmy Van Heusen, and then a tune written by Lester Young, probably his most famous tune called Lester Leaps In. And then we go from there 
to the one o'clock jump with all these guests, Roy Eldridge, uh, Illinois Joquette, and of course, Lester Young. So we begin with uh, polka dots and moonbeams, and we take you back to the Newport Jazz Festival, 1957. Everybody saw that the original great Basie drummer, Joe Jones, is now on drums. Yeah. Yeah. 
expect that was a new version of Lester Leadsip.
The Count Basie Band recorded live at the Newport Jazz Festival in 1957, and it marked a, a reunion um, with Basie and, of course, the great president, Lester Young, who we've been featuring in the last little while. The first tunes actually featured uh, Lester out front with the band, and we opened with a tune called Polka Dots and Moonbeams, and then we moved to an up-tempo uh, written by Lester Young called Lester Leaps In, and it featured the Basie band. Um, I won't run through all the personnel, but of course Basie was at the piano, Count Basie on piano, Freddie Green on rhythm guitar, Eddie Jones on bass, and Papa Joe Jones on drums. He was another guest and, of course, a Basie uh, alumnus. Then we turn to the final tune of the uh, evening at the festival, and of course that was Basie's classic, the One O'Clock Jump, and we heard solos by Lester Young first on tenor saxophone, then we heard a little bit by Joe Newman um, in the Basie band, and then Illinois Jaquette on a very different sounding tenor saxophone, and the climax solo was by Little Jazz himself, Roy Eldridge. Plus all the, the folks in the Basie band, the one o'clock jump. So we hope you enjoyed our tribute to Lester Willis Young, one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone and really the second messiah of jazz. We're going to change the mood to uh, bring the evening to a close from an album by bassist Eberhard Weber. And he plays uh, the acoustic and electric bass with uh, Charlie Mariano on soprano saxophone, Rainier Brunninghaus on keyboards, and Jan Christensen on drums. And this is from a beautiful album by Eberhard Weber, which uh, came out on the ECM label. And it, the album is called Yellow Fields. And uh, this tune is entitled Left Lane, Eberhard Weber and Company.
We end the show on a very uh, spacey note with the music of Eberhard Weber. And, of course, he plays the acoustic and the electric bass on here, and he's the leader, with Charlie Mariano on soprano saxophone, uh, Rainier Bruninghaus on keyboards and acoustic piano, and John Christensen on drums. And... um, all of this was issued on an ECM recording. Of course, it's classic Eberhard Weber. Um, the band is called Colors, and uh, the album is called Yellow Fields. And the piece of music we heard was entitled Left Lane, and of course, written by Eberhard Weber. That's it for another edition of The Jazz Show and our final show for the month of August. And we'll be back uh, next week, of course, which is uh, Labor Day, September 3rd, and with another edition of The Jazz Show as we edge into uh, a month which is uh, always busy, um, back to school, back to work, all that kind of stuff. Uh, all happens in September. As a friend of mine said, uh, don't ever try and get anything done in Vancouver in the summertime. Um, wait till September, and then everything gets back to uh, gets back to normal, <laughs> as normal as it can possibly be. Anyway, I'd like to thank you very much for being out there this evening. I uh, hope you enjoyed um, some of the show, and if you were here for all of the show, that's great, too. My name's Gavin Walker. This has been another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we'll see you in seven days' time. Take care and enjoy the nice weather we're going to have for the next couple of days. Do-ba-dee-oo.